0: This is Work Perks Podcast, Episode 13, with me, Brian McCammon. Today's topic is one that's near and dear to my heart, and it's a fun one. It's training, and really development, if you take it back a step further, development as a perk. Uh, Today, though, we're getting a little more specific. We're going sales training as a perk. But we're going to wind in and out of sales training, and training in general, And really what that means to develop people, uh, develop our teams, develop ourselves as really an underrated uh, workplace benefit or, as the podcast implies, right, work perk. So my guest today, very special guest, good friend of mine, Christine Miller of Miller Consulting. She is the, uh, as mentioned, the owner and lead trainer of Miller Consulting. She has been since 2007. Uh, she's also a sales trainer and coach of the New England region of Business Development University. Shame on me. I haven't attended just yet. Uh, she's a member of Rev Genius, uh, as well as a volunteer and active in her community, most recently coaching uh, Girls on the Run International. So without any further ado, uh, Chris, welcome to Work Perks Podcast.
1: Thank you, Brian. I'm thrilled to be here
0: ecstatic to have you. We've had a lot of dialogues back and forth. And uh, for all of the listeners keeping track, this is the second technical difficulty episode. (laughs) Uh, So I want to thank Chris for um, agreeing to come back and revisit this topic with me, uh, despite the technical challenges we may have had early on. Uh, Before we get into the training and all the formality and all that stuff, Chris, Mm -hmm did I miss anything with Miller consulting? Did I, did I miss anything about why you started it, how it happened? Like kind of give us that whole picture.
1: Yeah. Um, no, you, I mean, you hit that, the highlights, so that's good. Uh, I, as you noted, I started it many years ago. Um, I did it as a transition between full-time work and you know giving up work completely when I had my first child. So I I left my full-time job as a director and I worked part-time. And then I wanted to work a little bit more, but not go back to full-time. So I started the consulting business. And the, the funny thing about that was at the time it was started, it was started as more of an in-house agency marketing type business. But what happened is as I went to go see um, clients and started talking about their business and their challenges, they kept flipping the script on me and started asking me to help them with their sales instead. And I realized, well, there's actually a lot of people doing um, the whole marketing thing and really not a lot of people helping businesses with their sales. So I changed my focus and started helping people with sales. And um, it made sense because it's what I did, and there was a a hole in the marketplace for it. And I've been doing it in one form or another um, ever since.
0: That's awesome. Uh, Yeah, I had a a brief entrance myself into sales training, sales coaching. Uh, It was one of the most rewarding experiences I have had the privilege of participating in. So in that regard, I still envy you.
1: Yes.
0: Uh, Curious though. So you're consulting, you were working with companies mostly. Do you still work exclusively with companies or do you uh, ever take on individuals and and kind of individual case by case sort of?
1: Yeah, I do both. I mean, I'm all about improving sales as an industry and changing the um, stigma, the negative stigma that's attached to it. And you know, I actually had an individual reach out to me at one point that's he, who was very successful. And he said to me, but he's like, I want to be better. Like, I want to be the best. I want to learn as much. And, man, that just fires me up because <laughs> so I'm like, all right, let's do it. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, individuals as, as well as companies.
0: Nice. I'd imagine in this environment uh, really, in any environment, you, you've been staying quite busy. I imagine there's a pretty good demand for for what you do at Miller um, Miller Consulting.
1: Yeah, y- there is. It's almost a luxury, though, and that's why we're here talking today uh, about you know coaching as a perk. Um, but there's always a need for sure. So it could be an, on an individual level. It can be helping someone's team. It could be. Um, Helping a business fill in when they don't have a sales manager in place or they're a startup and they just, you know, don't have a sales manager, period. Uh, So there's a lot of different and small businesses, too. I have clients that are small businesses that you would never think of in regards to sales. So one of them is a moving storage company. And you wouldn't necessarily think of that as someone that would come to me for help, but they have people answering the phone every day. They're giving out quotes every day and they know their business inside and out. They know about how much, you know, how many pounds the truck can move and all that good stuff, but they didn't know the process of sales and how to close more sales and how to um, advance it when someone called or was asking for a price. And so I love working with small businesses too, because uh, they usually just haven't been exposed to any sales training whatsoever.
0: What I find, so that's, that's incredible and you're, you're dead on. What I find really interesting about that is, and it goes back to something one of my favorite sales authors has said, Daniel Pink,
1: um, mm.
0: which for those listening, check out uh, any of his books. My particular favorite is To Sell as Human and that's where I'm about yes. to pull some of this. But at the beginning, the onset of his book, he talks about how eight out of nine human interactions, human interactions are sales related. And I remember the first time I read that and that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm-hmm. Granted, I was in sales, but it was like this makes total sense, right? You get a group of people together. Hey, everybody, where do we want to go to lunch? Somebody usually has an idea. Well, let's go here. Okay. Well now I'm selling them on why to do that. I'm selling my spouse on why to go to dinner at this place. I'm selling myself. Well, I guess that really doesn't count, you know, but yeah. you're selling people in almost everything Absolutely. that you do. So it's, I always find it really interesting that most people, as you mentioned, haven't been exposed to some degree of sales training. And I want to make sure that we, we draw this line, right? We're not talking about manipulation. We're just talking about how no. to clearly convey a message. Um, which in my experience is really what sales is all about. It's less about that manipulation and more clearly articulating a point, an idea, and sometimes a product. Uh, yes. So I want to make sure we get that out there because that is, this is not the used Absolutely. car salesman no. get real slick.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. In fact, when people say to me like, or I hear I could sell ice to Eskimos or, or phrases like that, you know, that makes me cringe because I'm like, well, that, is that supposed to impress me? That's supposed to tell me you're really good. Um, that tells me you're a master manipulator, like like you were saying, Brian. It, it doesn't tell me that you have a true skill set, true profession, a true sales practice. Um, you're good at manipulating people because you right. can sell things to people that they don't need or want. <laughs>
0: you know, like, right.
1: No thanks Which, on my team.
0: <laughs> right. And it, and if you're in if you're in it for a very short term, quick turnaround, it's probably not a bad skill to have. Yeah. If you're yeah. Uh, if you're and I liken it too. if you need a job, that, that's, a, that's a good talent to have. If you want a career mm-hmm. and a longevity, that's, that is the polar opposite. Uh, and again, you actually made a reference to another great book, uh, Selling Ice to the Eskimos, John Spolstra. Yeah. He headed up ticket sales for the New Jersey Nets in the 90s. If you've been in sports or sports sales, it's a great book to read. Check it out. There's my one plug.
1: Yeah. And um, I love Daniel Pink. <laughs> I love Daniel Pink and his pink cast and his little tips. Um, so insightful. It,
0: it's very insightful. I think he's got a, I uh, believe he actually has a class on. He does. Uh, master class. He
1: does. A new master class.
0: So that'll, uh, which I might go and, and take that plunge and sign up now that I figured out that I can be an expert hostage negotiator, get really <laughs> right. good at sales and get cooking classes on brisket and from Gordon Ramsay. I might pull a yeah. plug. So I don't. Yes.
1: It's worth the $15 mean, a month
0: or what is it? <laughs> I, whatever it is, sign me up. Okay, so let's dive in and, and start getting into some of the specifics, right. the, the hard-hitting questions. Uh, so obviously, you gave some insight and, and some inkling, right, uh, when you mentioned, mentioned this moving company. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to what your clients hire you to do, can you paint that picture? Because mm-hmm. saying they hire you to coach sales is pretty yeah. broad. So walk yeah. us through what some of the, the different things you've been hired to help teams with before.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, ultimately they want to increase their revenue or their personal sales, you know, <laughs> and the coaching right. is a vehicle, right? So um, they don't always know specifically what they need help with. They know that they could be doing more. And if they knew it was broken and knew how to fix it or had the time to research it and figure it out themselves, they probably would. Um, but most people or teams don't. So they'll bring me on to um, well. Sometimes they can self-identify. I mean, I've had clients that have switched industries, have not had any experience in sales, and know that they they need to learn some stuff so they can be clear about that. But many know that they could be doing better than they are. They're not really sure what's broken, mm-hmm. and they want that you know outside set of eyes to. To evaluate their process and figure out, you know, what they're doing well and what they could be doing a lot better at.
0: The outside set of eyes is key. Um, Yes. I think about that as a golfer. So as as someone who's played golf since I was 14, I tend to have a pretty good idea of what I'm doing wrong when I'm playing. Even then, it's never as effective or I'm not as effective as fixing it as when I have an outside set of eyes, because there are times Mm -hmm. I cannot be brutally honest with myself as to why something is happening. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, things like I'm not as limber as at 36 as I was at 15. Mm -hmm. I really struggle with that. Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: It gets worse. (laughs) But you know, yeah, people can't always tell. And sometimes I'll ask them questions. I'll even ask, well, like, tell me about your sales process. Mm -hmm. And then there's like this Silence. Okay. You don't have a sales process. That's all right. We'll figure, but, you know, so sometimes they don't even have the basics or, um, you know, you ask them math questions about what, uh, you know, what's their closing ratio? What is their closing ratio compared to the amount of, you know, outbound, uh, requests they're making? What's more, you know, you start asking them about data and insights Mm -hmm. and they have no idea you know cuz they're not tracking it. They didn't know they should be tracking it. They didn't know that it could be helpful, you know, or they they get to a certain point, people always want to talk to them and then they can't close. And then you realize maybe they can't overcome objections or maybe they never ask for the sale. And I can't even tell you how many times that's a common problem where okay, yep, check good 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 good. Okay, now how do you ask for the sale? You know, and it's well, you know, I'll let them get back to me, let them think about it, um, where, because we're going back to what you brought up before, that persona of this obnoxious salesperson mm-hmm. and People don't want to be that obnoxious salesperson. So what often happens is they get, you know, 50 yards away from actually asking for the business, even though they're entitled to ask for the business. If they've solved problems and they're, they're showing value, they're entitled. That's what we're there for. And, and the other party understands right. that's what we're there for. But it's an uncomfortable situation um, or they lack the confidence to do it. Going back to some Daniel Pink stuff, I mean, confidence is makes a world of difference. So if you're not confident in your product, your company, your you know client success team that's going to take care of it once you hand it off, if you're not you know confident in being able to overcome an objection they may pop up, um, you're going to be hesitant to move that sale forward. So a lot of times people can't identify that themselves, but bringing someone else in helps shed light on that. And then, you know, then we could just drill down and, and, and work on that specific skill or, or that process, whatever it may be.
0: So it sounds like some of the biggest flaws or the biggest misses that you're seeing, you're, you're highlighting kind of several mm-hmm. of them. It's, it's that the data piece, it could be things like closing. Uh, is there anything else you would add to that list?
1: Oh yeah, there's a lot. Um, Pre call prep, right, which people might call Mm. research, discovery, goes under a lot of different names, which boggles my brain because um, back when I was a young AE, and there's probably still people teaching this too, when you go into someone's office, when you would actually visit people in their office, you know, you would, they'd tell you to scope it out, right? Like, What's the degree on the wall? Where did they go to school? <laughs> and is there like a, a you know a football or a picture of kids playing soccer? So you could relate, you know, you could say, oh, I went to that school too, or I'm a big fan of that team, or I have kids that play soccer, right? So it was really challenging to find out about a person, um, about a company, because uh-huh. there's a little. Uh, I mean, today. There's just so much information that you can find out about a a company, about its business. I mean, LinkedIn, you and I met on LinkedIn. There's so much on LinkedIn, even if that's the one thing you did. So it makes me nuts um, that there's a lack of pre-call prep. Uh, Listening skills, there's still a lot more talking than there is listening, even though so many people bring this up as uh, an area of an improvement to just Let people process what you've shared with them or the question you've asked. Don't feel the need to fill that void with yourself talking. It might feel uncomfortable. It's really not that long. It's really not uncomfortable. That person is downloading and processing and thinking. And that's where the the good stuff comes up. That's where the good question comes up. That's where they'll share an objection or a thought. I mean, that's the stuff you want to know what's twirling around in their brain, but you have to give them a chance. And it could be a yes. It could be an affirmation mm-hmm. to what you said. And you know, people talk themselves out of a sale or to talk it back because they keep talking. Um, and along those lines, being scared of an objection, thinking it's a bad thing when objections are opportunities. Because if there's a, a roadblock, we can get around that most of the time. But if we don't know that, then that's when the deal can go South or that's when the client becomes radio silent. Um, so you want to get those out and, um, and then selling too early Mm -hmm. (laughs) like on the first outreach, you know, LinkedIn, I see it all the time and email all the time. Someone who's just like, they don't know you, they haven't done any research about you or your business, but somehow they know or think that, um, you know, you absolutely need to have their product or service and they're selling, they're selling it to you in an email. Um, and then I would say lastly, uh, a lack of selling back that's I spend a lot of time teaching how to sell back too. So everyone goes, all right, I made the deal, you know, good job me and they move on. And I Mm -hmm. think being in this pandemic where companies are cutting budgets and really watching their dollars, those salespeople and organizations that know the value of selling back that for the last year or two years, whatever, have continued to show that customer and reinforce that they made the right decision by working with them. And that might be, we provide you with a dashboard or analytics and data, or we keep in touch and we remind you how You know, you used to spend X dollars and now you only spend Y because your process is more efficiently. Or maybe it's that thoughtful card that you sent. Whatever it is, and it could be any number of things in a mix and match, but all along you are showing them value. So when decision makers are sitting around a table and deciding what's going to remain, you know, uh, as an expense or who are we going to continue to work with in software, right? So much SaaS stuff is out there. Do people use it? Do they understand how to use it as a company? Have you taken the time to make sure that the end user really, really uses and understands your product and uses it to the max as much as possible? Or are you just happy to get that reoccurring revenue? Because again, what happens, we're looking at expenses and we're saying, well, what is this for? Does anybody really use it? Does anybody even really know how to use it? No, we hardly use that. We don't even know half of what it does. Okay, boom, that one's gone. Right, yep. so selling back. I just rattled off a whole bunch, but there's a lot. You did.
0: <laughs> so I guess if we're going to start a whole separate podcast on how to solve sales problems, we have a <laughs> season one, two, and three are already <laughs> right? uh, you know dialed in. Uh, the <clears throat> one that really stood out to me, uh, and I've got a, an example of this, is the listening skills. Yes, uh, understanding that there's two kinds of listening. There's listening with intent to understand. And there's listening with intent to respond. Mm-hmm. And often we find ourselves, especially as salespeople, listening with intent to respond. And so Absolutely. what that what I mean by that is, uh, let's say you brought up a point And in my head, I'm thinking, all right, I got this. I'm going to rebuttal. Here's mm-hmm. what I'm going to say. Here's what I'm going to do. And I've tuned out. Mm-hmm. Whatever comes next, I'm totally going to miss it. Versus sitting there and saying, be present, be in the moment, listen to understand what Chris is saying, why she's saying it, how she's saying it, like you said, with the silence, and I've got fun stories about sales and silence, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which we won't go into, uh, you know, but, but sitting there and, 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 really doing that. Uh, and I take that back. I will share one example. Um, this is secondhand, but, uh, for any sports fans out there, baseball super agent of the like nineties, two thousands and kind of 2010s, Scott Boris, um, still out there, still plugging away. He is the guy that got every mega sports contract for the marquee baseball players in that period of time. Alex Rodriguez, record-setting contract, he got it. Um, most recently, Bryce Harper's like $400 million, he got that. And what people who would sit in those negotiations with him said he was really good at doing, not saying a thing.
1: Mm-hmm. He
0: let the people he was selling to drive up their own price. Yeah. So it's really interesting, the, the the silence piece too. So I fibbed, I said I was going to talk about one, I'm talking about two things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I find it I find it just... Really interesting, and, and going back to earlier, that people have not had exposure to this, uh, it can just make you a, such a well-rounded human being. Yes, uh, to take some of those skills and say, can I be a better friend? Can I be a better right. spouse? Be an active listener? All that. Huh. Yeah, okay, absolutely. <clears throat> we won't get yeah, too and, stuck on and, that. And,
1: and in sales, we spend so much time on Zoom now. You can mm-hmm. record it. So I, you know, I'm a, 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 an avid note taker and sometimes mm-hmm. even taking notes, you miss things because you're trying to write down something and you might have missed something else. Now you can ask someone, do you mind if I record this? And then you really can be present listening oh, because you can go back and replay it, you know, to see what you missed or what you want to
0: fill out in your notes. Big time. I mean, that's yeah. that's that's my plan for this whole thing. I'm not going to pay attention for most of it, um, you know. And then I'm going to go, <laughs> then we go back and go back and you know record everything. And ah, oh, it'd be great. Uh, shoot, I just gave away my secret. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you know, you I think you you've alluded to some of this with the the answers to these previous two questions. Mm-hmm. But how functional are most of the sales teams that you come across? And when mm-hmm. I say functional. Uh, everyone always has the ability to operate at a higher efficiency. We could mm-hmm. always be better, but I'm just kind of curious. Like, I don't know if it's a scale of one to 10, uh, letter grade, A through F, uh, zero to hundred. Yeah. Like, like how functional do you find most of these teams are?
1: Yeah. It does depend on how you define functional because they are functioning. You know, people are showing up and um, doing their job. And yeah, it depends on, you know, what your definition of function is. I, um, uh, you know, I would say most are, you know, if you're doing numbers five to seven, right. They know something's off, but what the mm. beauty of that is, and, and this is the beauty of sales is the direct ROI on that support, you know, and a, yeah. a lot of investments, you know, it's the right thing to do or the thing that you should do. And it'll it'll help, you know, fresh coat of paint will make the building look nicer. But if you get a salesperson or a sales team going from a five to a seven or a seven to a nine, Mm -hmm. that's, that's money. That's relationships that have improved. That's upsells, you know, with those clients down the road, the ROI is huge. So I don't want to cast, like make it sound like that's a bad thing because again, a lot of people don't have the support or the background. Um, They just haven't had the fundamental training or, uh, you know, uh, been held to fundamental training. And, but if you can get those numbers up like that, I mean, it's, it's huge. And you you go from not making money to making money or making some money to making a lot of money, you know, and then having Mm -hmm. those deep. Relationships with your clients where they're loyal to you and won't leave if the competitor's a few bucks cheaper or, you know, they're willing to hear you out when you're trying to sell them something new down the road. Um, yeah.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I, that's been kind of my experience as well, right? Like, teams are good, but like you said, they're at that five to seven. Yeah. Um, maybe more like a six or seven, but it's like... Yeah. That that line to get from seven to eight or eight to nine starts getting real, real thin. But at the same time, there tends to be some low-hanging fruit that can mm-hmm. help push someone over that. So I would uh, I would definitely agree with you. Mm-hmm. What's there's been a lot of changes in mm-hmm. sales in technology in the yes. last uh, in the last ten year ten months, let alone the last ten mm-hmm. years. But what are I'm curious what what are some of the changes in sales and sales tech? Uh, that you've seen over, you know, again, a, we can go big window, we can go shorter window. Yeah. What are some of the changes that you've yeah. seen that have really helped move the needle for sales professionals when it comes to being coached and developed?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I think technology and data is huge. You mentioned it. There's no denying mm-hmm. that there have been huge gains in in those categories You know, you can go long-term and say 10 years ago. You can even say a year ago, how much has that changed? I mean, it still continues to change and it it will continue to evolve. And if for anyone that's in the sales world that plans on staying in the sales world, um, be ready to adapt to continual change because it's going to keep evolving. It's not going back and it's not going to stop. It's going to, you know, it might not be super fast, but it will continue to evolve. And, you know, being able to sell with data and getting your clients, you know, used to um, being sold to with data, depending on the industry, some, um, you know, the tech industry is, is, way ahead of many industries as when it comes to technology and data you know that's what that's where they live and breathe um so they're leaps and bounds ahead of other industries but some are very very you know they're lagging way behind um and their clients are lagging way behind too there's no easier way to sell them with data in my mind because it's not a what do you think It's a here's some proof, you know, or here's a plan or formula that will demonstrate this ROI to you and your business. And technology makes it easier for salespeople to be really relationship quality salespeople because there's software that allows an appointment to be made with a keystroke instead of 10 emails back and forth. You know, (laughs) Tuesday's not Mm -hmm. good. How's Wednesday morning? You know, there's. Data in our CRM that tells us how likely a prospect is to close based on, um, other data that it's in there, whether it's, you know, behavioral data, there's, there's just so much at our fingertips with AI, that allows, the freeze up time for salespeople, that gives them intelligence. Did someone look at your proposal? Did they hang out on page eight? Do you know that's of interest? I mean, I could go on and on. There's so much, but that is really what has changed, like I said, in the long-term, in the short-term, and that'll continue to evolve. Now, the balance needs to be, how do you take um, that data and technology And merge it with knowing how to be a good relationship seller and keeping that uh, humanity in the relationship and using emotional intelligence as well. So I talk a lot about AI and EI because I think if you're all about this old school relationship selling, you've missed the boat. And if you're all about technology, you're missing that human aspect. But if you can put the two of those together, like write your own check. You'll always have a job. People will be fighting to hire you, and you'll be successful.
0: Maybe that's why I'm missing something. Hmm.
1: What are you missing?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're 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 dead on though. And and uh, for as many data points that that are out there that we can track, I think it's also important to remember that at sometimes too much data can be somewhat paralyzing. You, you can spend all exactly. your time combing combing through it. What yes. I've always found really valuable track as many data points as you can, but really only pay attention to a couple. Yeah. Um, and it's up to you to pick which ones those are, which right? ones you view as the most significant. But your your commentary around the data is, is really um, really interesting. I think it helps paint the picture of where sales is moving in the future. Mm-hmm. And the commentary around EQ or, or emotional intelligence um, is, is so big. And 2020 has put that on... Uh, you know, on display mm-hmm. because this has just been, I, I mean, I, I, we don't need to talk about it, right? It's been everything from, uh, social movements to elections, to a pandemic, to, right. murder, to murder hornets. <laughs> <I know. laughs> so <clears throat> it's been a doozy of a year and, and understanding all of us are going on that ride. Yeah. All of us, every single one of us up, down, up, down, uh, that emotional intelligence does this message make sense? Is this the right time? Is this the most appropriate thing? And I love your commentary earlier about, you know, when you walked into someone's office, I used to do the same thing early on, but that right. was before there was a lot of online information. Like,
1: absolutely. That's all we had.
0: I, I still do that.
1: Sure. It doesn't um, hurt.
0: <laughs> it doesn't hurt. It's probably will never stop doing that, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's so easy to prep. Uh, yeah, it's really interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we can't okay. lose our humanity. We no. we can't. I mean, I love social selling. I'm a big fan of social selling and, um, you know, KPIs and being smart. Um, but you know what? Uh, we have to be human. You have to be aware of, like you said, timing and how do you handle these situations when someone's going through a rough patch, or you know, in their office there's layoffs or. Um, you know, there's a lot of sickness in their hometown. I mean, it really, you've got to be in tune with people on a human level um, to be successful now and, and always moving forward. You know, always. you've got to put it all together.
0: You absolutely do. As we think about developing, always being better, always pushing the envelope. Why is it that you really view sales training? And again, Mm -hmm. For, for those listening, you can choose to think of it about, think of it as sales training or training. But again, for this conversation, we're specific with sales training. Chris, why do you view that as a big perk to an organization and to Mm -hmm. someone who is in a sales role?
1: Yeah. Well, so I would define a perk as something that's, that's valuable to a person. Um, it's, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, we use the word benefit a lot, but it's a a perk is valuable to me. It's special to me and it's not common. Everybody doesn't get it. That's what makes the perk special. And I think that most people uh, do want to do better. They want to grow and develop um, and not just collect a paycheck every month. You know, they, they want opportunity and they want to learn and grow. So they're, Aren't a lot of businesses that offer coaching as a perk? You know, they often, you know, they have their in house training handbook. Um, maybe a company produced video or they will send their teams to seminars twice a year or quarterly, but it's not individual. and And that's training, which is different. So if there's mm-hmm. You know, there's a new software program that's coming out in the company. Everyone needs to learn it. You go and do it. Maybe they bring in a sales trainer that gives you some tips and tricks um, on, you know, how to be a more effective salesperson. But that's to a group of people that's not necessarily directed specifically to an individual who has their own individual, you know, concerns or styles or issues. Um, So, I think uh, it's a special thing that's not offered to a lot of people that salespeople would appreciate because not only is there a return on investment to the company, there's a return on the investment to the individual um, because most people still have some sort of incentive based uh, right. part to their paycheck. So, you know, if they get better, they're generally making more money as as their sales improve, and then their status in the company improves, so there's definitely an immediate ROI to that time and to that perk. But that's that's why I see it as a perk.
0: I think it's a big perk, um, and and that's that development, like like you said, is really rarely, at least that I've come across, uh, spot spotlit, spotlighted, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, brought brought to someone's attention. Um, I'd imagine. But I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Do you, do you see organizations failing to invest in, uh, like knowingly failing mm-hmm. to invest in in sales training?
1: Well, so I would say yes. However, I think there would co- there would be companies that disagree because they see it differently. Mm-hmm. Where I would say yes, they are knowingly failing to invest in the way that I think they should invest in their sales team. They might say, no, we are investing because we've spent a lot of money to make that video or we spent a lot of money to bring, um, you know, to host that two day seminar and pull all our salespeople off the street and feed them a catered lunch. So I think part of the issue is the definition of what truly is support and i think organizations look at some of the tried and true things that they've been doing over the years and then check the box and say Mm -hmm. okay supporting our sales team yep did it check the box um where the sales people might not feel the same way or the sales leaders might not feel the same way
0: that's interesting um, uh, cause I, I would agree in, in, in my time as a trainer, I would see some of that disconnect and that mm-hmm. argument, right? Like, well, we, we paid a lot for this, we paid a lot for that. And, uh, it becomes, you know, thinking, uh, emotionally instead of rationally, uh, you know, thinking with the wallet short-term versus mm-hmm. thinking with the wallet long-term, uh, you know, in, in those instances, and this is just in your observations, but in those instances where organizations Are not putting their best foot forward, they're not investing in their people, or maybe they're not investing to the degree that some people need. Mm -hmm. And that's going to vary in roles and, and acumen and experience. Do you find that salespeople are, are going out and seeking out learning opportunities on their own?
1: Not a lot. There are some, like the example I shared earlier, uh, that Mm -hmm. was a person who's reaching into his own pocket to better himself. I mean, you'll find people, I think the most common thing they'll do is maybe take a class. You know, uh, They're not that great at Excel or they're not that great at PowerPoint or something. And they may invest in themselves that way. Um, I don't know that, uh, I think a lot of salespeople, right? And I'm gonna go back to my sales days and the conversations I've had with people that are still, out in the field selling is they do kind of feel like it's the company's responsibility Mm -hmm. and they'll see often there are executive coaches offered to the higher level, um, you know, the executives of an organization. So the money and investment is spent in the people that are very high up in the organizational chain, but not so much really. And this is me in defense of salespeople, (laughs) (laughs) that are out there knocking on the doors every day. Um, uh, Because if they're not making the money, then the company's not doing well. Not to say that executives shouldn't be supportive, but I think there's an imbalance. And salespeople feel that. A lot of them can't afford it. Some of them don't want to. You know, there's a lot of people, they're working families. You know, They, they don't have the extra resources to invest in themselves in that way. And even if they would like to, and so they, they don't. So there's not a lot. There's a few, you know, I've encountered a few key individuals that are go-getters and they want to, and they see the value, but it's, it's hard for a lot of people to do it on their own.
0: One well, as you talk about resources, it's not like, like you said, it's not just financial. Um, you know, t- today, if you've got a family, uh, mm-hmm. maybe a second job you Great. have loved uh, maybe you've got parents or grandparents that are living with you that you're I mean there's so many different things that could take up a sizable chunk of time I, I, I would hate for anyone to ever think it's just a money thing not having as much time as you could to work on that skill set is a really real it, it's a very real thing. Uh, now not to say that someone, might be able to tightly manage their day a bit more and squeeze a little more mm-hmm. out. Shore. But, uh, yeah, just for anybody listening, it's, I, I felt it's important to draw that draw spotlight to not having as much free time as you'd like to tackle. This is a very yeah. real scarcity resource. Uh, yeah. and so if, I mean, you know, if anyone's in that, in that role or in, in that boat, um, I hear you, I've I've been there and and have continue to be there from time to time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, you you said you've been a trainer. So, I mean, you must have gotten some feedback. Salespeople often go to those trainings or two day, whatever, or day long, dragging their feet because they're Mm -hmm. thinking, right? I make my money when I'm selling. This is costing me money. So if now you're talking about having, not only taking them away from their work and their family or whatever they're being taken away from, it's not even on the company dime. Now it's on their dime. So you do have the double whammy of the finances, you know, the re- both resources, financial yeah. and time. And it, it, is, it is very difficult for a lot of people to do that.
0: It is. And, you know, it, it's never going to become magically easier. Uh, but if there's one investment, I think that anyone could, we could all say is always a good one. It's always investing in yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can never have too much education. You can never have too much coaching and training, uh, because it's only going to serve you, you know, and, and really help you. Uh, okay, on that note, let's yes. say I am a newbie. Mm-hmm. I am fresh out of college. It's 2020. And the job market. Okay, well, let's just say you're fresh out of college. Let's just skip to tw- 2020. <laughs> tw- it's 2021. And the economy is fully recovered. Sorry, if that's a sour point with anybody. Um, if if I'm looking to get into sales with an organization again, let's say I'm ex- I'm not experienced, uh, yeah. or maybe I am experienced. Yes. What what suggestions could you offer us, or would you offer us on ensuring mm-hmm. that I am asking the right questions and, and looking at an organization correctly uh, from a training perspective to to understand? Hey, this place is going to invest in me. Like what mm-hmm. what is what is Chris's advice? for yeah. that job seeker to make sure they don't land at a place that they're out in two or three months because yeah. it was you know wrong fit.
1: Right. Uh, I mean, I would ask them about their team and the team's tenure. You know, churn is mm-hmm. a word that's pretty common in the industry. Uh, how long have people been on the team? And there might be a couple that, you know, Johnny's been here for 15 years or 25 years, but if it's a team of five, you know, where mm-hmm. there three uh, senior people that have been there since Earth was born, and then they keep churning those other sort of new spots with people that come and go. That will tell you a lot. Um, and and depending on what the answer is, then you want to follow up, dig in a little bit more about why people are not sticking around. Um, and then flat out ask, how are they trained and enabled with, with what they need to make their goal? You know, find out if you get five videos to watch. Find out if you get sent away for a training, if um you get any one on one coaching, if you, you know, maybe you're lucky and you get to ride along with a, a senior AE for a while. Ask what the training is like and c- continued, because often what the training is, you know, it's your first 30 days, you, you get slammed with a lot of stuff, then it's go get them tiger. Um mm-hmm. and then ask is the team making their goals. That says a lot, too. Is the team broken? Is the team successful? You know, how did they do last month? How did they do last quarter? How did they do last year? And you know someone doesn't have to disclose dollars. They can give you percentages, if that's confidential information, to give you an idea of what the team is like, because that will give you an idea of what your leader will be like. Do you have a good manager? Is he managing the team well? Um, you know software they use? Do they use anything with AI? CRM? What's their CRM? Do they have an ancient CRM? That's just like literally a database? Or do they have something new and cool? Are they using Salesforce? Are they using HubSpot? Um, That integrates with all kinds of other fun things to make their job easier? And... Oh, there's more like I'd ask about how they, how they get leads. I mean, that's about a support too. Do they have to find all their leads? Are they fed leads? Do they come from their CRM? Um, you know, quota territories, forecasting, there's a lot, but I think how is that team built for success is what you want to find out first. There are other things you can figure out on your own, but if it's not built for success with a good support foundation, a good manager, um, you know, you might find yourself, you're one of those people after six months in, you're like, I can't pay the rent and I need to mm-hmm. move on.
0: I like your comment about CRMs. I'm always reminded of Ed Harris's character in *Glengarry Glenn Glen Ross when he walks over to uh, one of the big file cabinets to pull out a bunch of index cards for recycled <laughs> leads. Uh, CRM. Life, life would probably be simpler if our CRM was just three by five no cards. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah but the new CRMs are so cool I mean that's what I try to get through to people when they cringe when I say CRM and I was like it's not I get it like I hated it too you would just add stuff name address phone number just so like the company could have like a master mailing list essentially that's all it did but now they they can work for you you know if you have Mm -hmm. the right one
0: and and I will attest to that wholeheartedly there are some outstanding services out there that can, uh, you know, mine data and the integrations link it over. And next thing you know, yes. it's five mouse clicks later, you have an account, five contacts and all the details, you know, in, you didn't hit a single keystroke, except a couple mouse clicks, uh, yeah. all while having coffee. So CRM yeah. is a, is a big one. These, these are good. These are, are good things for those that are looking to get into the field to be thinking about. Uh, and also, you know, anyone who's in the corporate hierarchy to be thinking about how does my team perform like that? And and is there opportunity for my teams to do better? Mm-hmm. So this is good stuff. Uh, okay. We are nearing the end of our time together. Something that we like to do with as many guests as possible. At least those that are willing to be a little adventurous with us. Talk about a spotlight perk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have been a part of some really cool organizations, uh, and lucky enough to work with some really big teams up and down the new England kind of area. What is the coolest perk that you have seen or, or mm-hmm.
1: experienced? So I, I know I should, you know, say something that has to do with money and bonuses <laughs> or matching 401k, but I'll tell you my most favorite perk was free cable, like full board free cable and you know anyone that has cable knows that's expensive and especially if you have cable now and you've upped your package because you're spending so much time at home um <laughs> free free cable was it for me
0: free cable uh yeah. like all the channels
1: all the all the channels We're like I'm talking what? HBO Showtime like yeah yeah and internet so I shouldn't say it was just free cable it's free cable it's free internet so like high speed internet, um, it was at a time when I was working for Comcast. So anything that Comcast, uh, pretty much provided. So it was, yeah, it's a pretty, really awesome benefit.
0: I'm, I'm <laughs> That's allowed. That's, I'm, I'm at a bit of a loss of words, uh, yeah. because I want that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's people were really jealous, you know, and um, I can't blame them because it's it's a lot of money, and uh, you know, money. you know, don't have to agonize over what package you're going to get. You know, you just are like, it's like going in the restaurant and o- ordering the most expensive things in the menu. You know, from and, and, soup and not even, yeah, not, even no. not even
0: thinking twice.
1: Not even thinking twice. Yeah,
0: on oh, the best part, right? Like you don't. Then again, you think about. You're depriving yourself of the great joy of life, of calling the cable company and threatening to leave every 12 months (laughs) if they don't renegotiate with you. So the uh, bad
1: thing is you get addicted to having the finer (laughs) things in life. And when that free perk goes because you've made a career change, (laughs) you're like,
0: Uh, oh, I got to pay
1: for it all. And your family's (laughs) used to it.
0: (laughs) And you look at the bill and you go, this costs how much? (sighs) Okay. Yeah. So, so part two of this. So, fast forward. We're going to fast forward here from uh, a few years now, and Miller Consulting has grown to the point you've got a bunch of team members. uh, You're scaling like crazy. Money, time, the logistics of administering it—not a single object, right? Like Mm -hmm. money, time, and and the work behind it—not an issue. What is the one perk you would put in place for team, your team, and you can't say free cable?
1: Yeah, say everyone gets free cable. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, there's a couple, like one's a little more practical than the other. So really, uh, and and it's not as super sexy as you might think, but I would say a flex spending account for personal and professional development. So when we were talking before, like, do people really invest in themselves? And I believe that people want to, and there's just challenges in the way. And what some companies offer is, you know, you can go back to college and take a few classes and get your degree. Um, you know, there's that, and, you know, a lot of big companies, you can do that, which is great, but what if I wanted to learn French or someone on my team wanted to learn French or what if they wanted to get a personal coach? Uh, What if they Mm -hmm. wanted to manage right, you know, right now they need to manage stress and improve well, you know, their wellness and maybe they want to take a yoga class. Um, I think a flex spending account for whatever personal professional development they need, That they can choose what they want instead of me as a company dictating, this is what I'll reimburse you for. As long as it's under personal and professional development, you've got a flex spending account, improve yourself, you know, that kind of thing. Um, And then the fun thing would be to, like, give them, like, oodles of travel credits and then a concierge to, you know, set up their trips with private planes and to go to islands or whatever they wanted because i would like that (laughs) i would like them both one is a little more practical than the other
0: I support the travel. Uh, yeah. So so as soon as, and maybe even before then, right? But as soon as that travel credit and concierge becomes a perk, let me know what jobs are open, and I'll yes, uh, I'll, I
1: know. I'll,
0: uh, I'll, t- I'll toss my name in the hat. I know. Uh, although in all seriousness, right? That that flex spending account for for professional or, or personal development, I think is really cool. It's it's interesting. You said learning a language. I took like two years of Spanish in high school and was awful, uh, but one that's recently perked my my interest. Uh, That I, again would probably be awful at, but I think would be really fun to try sign language. I thought that would be really cool. I don't really know why I want to do it. Um, It's probably not the most practical. Yeah, but it just seems kind of fun. You've watched all those
1: press conferences. Yeah, (laughs) Yes. I have my favorite. I have my favorite sign language interpreters for every press conference. Their personality and stuff. But yeah, I mean, I think there's a value to a company more global we're a global community. There's no doubt mm-hmm. about it today, right? Maybe you didn't think that a year ago. Definitely. You can't argue that now you can meet people from all over the world and LinkedIn in particular, you can set up a zoom with them. We are all connected on so many levels and, um, you know, let people improve themselves and it will improve your company. It will improve their produ- productivity, their mindset. Um, you know, and I think coaching, if you happen to have that, benefit, you know, <laughs> you could put my name on the list of coaches that are available, <laughs> but I, I just truly do believe that that will make people happier. We don't control our happiness. They control their happiness, but we can put some stuff out there that can help make them happier and feel more confident. And that's going to translate into the workplace.
0: It totally is. And it's important to, to understand and to think about learning and growing and development, not as a destination, but as a journey,
1: absolutely.
0: Because mm-hmm. once you get to one accomplishment, I I sold a million dollars. I learned
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: conversational Spanish. There's always a next step, uh, you know. So it's it's an ongoing thing. So I, I think that's that 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 emphasis on continuing a uh, continuous development is is so critical. So I think you're I think you're dead on. Well, Chris, this has been uh, a pleasure. And I'm glad that we had the yes, opportunity to do it again. Yes. Um, I promise you, if we do it for a third time, it'll be a separate topic. Uh, but I want
1: to <laughs> we'll talk about want, listening for an hour. It'll be really we quiet. Go. We'll just wait for each other to
0: talk. <laughs> I like it. Or we can have a Zoom call with, uh, with sign language. Uh, <laughs> yes. There we go. Well, I want to say thanks so much for for stopping by, uh, sharing your insights with us, and look forward to one day having another conversation. Uh, you know, down the road and and sharing more insights. Uh, so look forward to doing it again soon, Chris. Thanks so much.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Brian. It
0: was one heck of a do over. Uh, hope you enjoyed hearing from Chris, hearing her thoughts and perspectives on training, specifically sales training, but really the role that it can play in an organization, in personal development, all of that. Uh, a couple of, uh, or at least key takeaway that uh, that I continue to think about in the world of sales training is that every role in an organization is involved in sales. And given the opportunity to sharpen some of those skills, you may begin to realize they're not just sales skills, they're life skills, they're communication skills. Everyone should have an opportunity to be exposed to sales training of some kind. Again, it doesn't have to be really intense and long and drawn out, but it's, it's the kind of training that can benefit every person in every organization, top to bottom, front to back. So, if you can, uh, now that you've had a chance to listen to the episode, please leave a review for the show whenever you listen to the podcast, be that on Spotify, uh, Google. Uh, Apple Podcasts, any of the other platforms that you may be checking out the podcast on. If you haven't already, subscribe, uh, you know, and check out the LinkedIn Work Perks Podcast page or the hashtag Work Perks Podcast. Remember, that's work with an E uh, for any sort of new details or fun stuff that's going on. And as always, thank you. Look forward to seeing you again next week.